America was always a shining light in the world that you wanted to get to, you, you, you worked to get to, you hoped to win the lottery to get to, you, you did whatever you can to get to because you knew it was the land of opportunity, which is a cliche, but it's also the reality. We each have our own gift to give and yours is unique. Welcome to the Calvin Corelli Show. I'm really excited to have you. Welcome, everybody. It's Calvin Corelli with the Calvin Corelli Show. I've got Dimitri with me here today. Dimitri, let me, we, we know each other from, uh, from a mastermind group called War Room. And That's right. we've uh, met up, Dimitri Smirnov. I should use your last name, by the way. Sorry, sorry about that. Thank um, you. <laughs> Dimitri, you own a, a YouTube agency, correct? YouTube ad agency? Like, no, um, is that right? Well, we we're, we do all of Google Ads, so search, display, okay, gotcha. shopping, and all YouTube. It. All right, perfect. And YouTube, you've you've advised me on on my YouTube ad strategy. So yeah, we met in Dallas um, in person uh, last month or something like that, yep. and got talking about politics and sort of how your journey from the the light side to the dark side or the dark side to the light side or whichever way it is exactly your, your red pilling essentially. So yeah, I'd love to hear your, your story, your journey there. What, what, where were you and what changed for you? It's an interesting story in general with politics. Um, My journey is probably similar to many people's journey Uh, And maybe the whole country's journey, or at least part of the country, half the country, I don't know. Um, But uh, I was thinking about it today. How On that note, quick question, though. I'm sorry to interrupt. So, but have you lied to pollsters? (laughs) I've never been asked a question Mm. by a pollster. But if I was to be asked, I would definitely lie. Uh, just because that's more fun now. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a at theme. The, at this point, everybody, uh, not, well, uh, many people know that uh, polls could be off. And uh, it's kind of a fun thing to throw them off even more. And I think a lot of Trump supporters are doing that this mm-hmm. year. And they were probably doing that less intentionally in 2016. Right. All right. Thanks for that. Back to the story. (laughs) Um, My journey began in middle school in the year. I I remember this specifically in the year 2000. It was Al Gore, um, the incumbent vice president versus George W. um, to be president. And I distinctly remember that all my classmates and teachers and I were pro Al Gore. And we didn't know why. Well, maybe the teachers did, but the students, me personally, and my friends and my classmates, we had no idea why, but we just knew that we were for Al Gore. And when he lost, we were sad. I'm not going to say devastated because (laughs) we we didn't even know why we were rooting for that team. Our team lost, but oh, well, Uh, it was less of a loss than a sports team that we like, but But the point is that we were set in that. Um, And 
throughout. For me, the moment was so I I was I lived in New York at that time, and I remember seeing I was up for the election and watching it and seeing you know how it turned out, and then um, I was I was sad too, but then the real crushing moment for me was four years later when George Bush was reelected. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, the first election they stole from us. Right. Yeah. But the second one, well, people voted for Bush. And I was like, damn America, you disappoint me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems to be, um, it, that's, that's exactly the right word. It's just disappointing. How could uh, we, the good guys lose to the backwards hillbillies, so to speak. I think that's actually a pretty fair representation of how we used to picture them. Right. But you weren't uh, born in America, right? No, I wasn't. I was born in um, the former Soviet Union, uh, now known as Russia and, and in St. Petersburg. So uh, interestingly enough, my family has had a lot of experience in a communist nation, especially my grandparents. And I've heard a lot of stories about it, but um, growing up, it was never really discussed. And I think the reason uh, that was specifically the political systems, the reason it wasn't discussed is because it was just assumed to be fact that the system in the America, which um, we were always striving to get to is the better one. It, it was just a no brainer. And that's why it was never talked about. Is the better one meaning it was the cap capitalism or, or capitalism, um, freedom, right. Freedom and Liberty, <laughs> democracy, um, federalism, which, you know, is less obvious, but, but just the, the decentralization of power mm-hmm. was obviously the right way of doing it so So the fact that america could even consider something else was you know not even on the table absolutely not especially since the entire cold war was pretty much about that exact topic right How how old were you when you came to america i was one you're one. So you have vivid memories of <laughs> what it was like. I remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm curious. How was it? Um, what was the thought in um, Europe from where you are or you were? Um, how did they look at, at the American system? Uh, mostly as, you know, like, like uh, brute or like, you know, not unsophisticated or, you know, I remember one current conversation I had with, with someone over here in New York around this time. And I was like complaining about ads on TV and how they're interrupting things. And, you know, that's not how we do it in Denmark and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, he just said, he looked at me and was like, how does it feel to be part of a dying culture? Hmm. <laughs> and it stopped me in my tracks, right? But I was like, huh. I mean, there's something to that, obviously, right? That 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 Europe is sort of like like it's it feels like Europe culturally and Europe's cultural impact in the world has sort of peaked. And like we are we grew up with American movies and you know, American, you know 
products and Amer- like American culture, right? Huge, massive influence in Denmark. Um, yes. And, and that was, the f- it was one of the early moments that started to change. I was always fascinated with America. I always, I always had this, this love for America, but I saw myself as, as better, right? Superior mm-hmm. and, and in some way. And, and it started to, started to get me to question some of my beliefs around it. I, I think you're really accurate in describing that attitude of superior and that I, I'm smarter and my ideas are better and I could never be wrong. Uh, therefore, I am not willing to listen to what other possibilities may be out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, that's the attitude uh, I grew up with just because that was what you did. Um, not because we investigated the facts or the history or that it was just what you did. And, and, um, and then the, the state, the path led forward in 2008. Um, and uh, I was at my university dorm at the University of Maryland. And when um, Barack Obama won, it was very exciting, especially for the college age people, but not because they thought he, he was going to bring economic prosperity and more freedom to America. The excitement was just that, okay, something, um, something new has happened. Um, a black man was elected president. We can all breathe a sigh of relief as a country. And well, racism is over now, right? Well, the people legitimately were excited <laughs> and, and they probably didn't think it was over, but they thought it was a thing of the past that was quickly fading away. And there, it really was an exciting time. Um, it, there weren't riots, uh, but rather people went out into the streets and celebrated an right. actual celebration without damage. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's amazing. I would. I used to wear a T-shirt that said, "You know, oh one, twenty, oh nine, right? Uh, even before Obama was elected, like his inauguration date. Um, and I, I wore that shirt during the Bush presidency because I was so sure that Bush was terrible, and I was like, "I can't wait till he's out of office." Right. And I was, I was a huge Obama fan supporter. I was like, you know, like he seemed young and like charismatic and like he, he could, I felt like he could shake up the system in, in, in Washington and he would be, you know, less corrupt. And yeah. And, and that's, and that's a very important point that you make, especially us coming from a world of business and marketing is that without necessarily knowing Obama's platform, we were optimistic that he was going to bring new, amazing change uh, to America. With, and, and that is 100% marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was a feeling that lasted quite a bit of time, actually. Um, the whole time that Obama was president, um, you know, things were going fine, more or less, I guess. And people weren't too concerned about what was going to happen next. Um, and I, back to your original question, when the red pilling happened, 
maybe slowly over time, but especially in 2015 and leading up to the 2016 election, uh, I began to follow more closely, more closely than I ever had before. And it was, it was just, it was unusual, the difference in coverage of the candidates. That, that's just where it started. It was like, mm. huh, this is unusual. Every talk show, uh, every uh, daytime news program, every uh, color commentator would make a, a, a joke at the expense of one side, but not the other. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, they are the bad guys, so they are the funny ones, but I wonder why that is. Or rather the ones that we must make fun of, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The ones that we are making fun of, they're of course, they of course deserve it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these other, these other guys kind of deserve it too, don't, don't they? And Right. Um, the that, thing that the, the comedy shows was actually one of the things that really got to me, but it wasn't until after the election. But the way they always treated Eric Trump, just it was just mean. It was not funny. It was just mean. And I was like, what? Who are these people? The, the, there was this internal contradiction between what they were saying and how they were acting. They were saying at the time in 2016 that Trump is such a bad person because he judges people by the way that they look or, um, you know, by their, by the way that they speak or their something like that. And then they would turn around in the same monologue and make fun of him for how he looks. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's the thing that's, like, you know, you're familiar with the concept of projection in psychology, right? Where you project onto other people that which you don't want to admit about yourself, right? So you have the 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 senator who's like totally against homosexuality that is then caught yes. in a bathroom stall in an airport, mm-hmm. you know, pulling out his his uh, his uh, thingy, uh, yeah. his wiener, and and you know. That is on display like nobody's business here, right? That's exactly what you're saying. They're projecting all this nasty meanness onto Trump. And in reality, they're the ones doing this. They're the ones doing it. Yeah, and and it's it's a tactic for sure. And, And it works when you project something that you're doing onto somebody else. It's difficult then for the audience to get that back to how it actually is like wait i already had in my head that they're the bad guys and now actually it's and it's just a difficult Mm -hmm. concept um so it works um and i i had the exact same thing with trevor noah had an episode uh, about the shithole countries incident right where trump supposedly said that why can't we get more immigrants from places like norway why does it have to be all these shithole countries Mm -hmm. where trevor noah was you know that's racist. And I was like, we have no evidence that that's racist. If you're the one that sees, you know, these people, oh, it must be the color of their skin. That's the only possible explanation here. You're actually the racist here, right? Exactly. And there's no indication of even which countries necessarily is referring to. It could be referring to a mostly white country, but, but the projection is, 
Yeah. yeah. I think it was like Haiti and like certain African countries versus Norway, but the, he just had Nor- Norwegian prime minister visiting. I know, f- you know, that Norway is a very, very organized country with good education and good, you know, uh, uh, you know, stable systems for entrepreneurs and business people and all that kind of stuff, which would, I would take to mean that you would get more qualified people immigrating from that quality country, you know, everything else being equal than from a country like Haiti that where a lot of, of institutions and education, et cetera, are not very well functioning. Right. That's the difference that I see. Not, I don't give a hoot about the color of the skin. Right. It's about what is it? What is the, the system? What kind of, yeah. What is the country like? Um, and what kind of people does exactly. that? Exactly. And there's, there's in today's America, there's, Today's America is different than, let's say, the 1850s America, where the only immigrants that were coming here are ones that were actively pursuing freedom and an opportunity to work, uh, whether that was in a factory during the Industrial Revolution or um, traversing the entire country and, and, and finding something in, in maybe lumber or gold or whatever. And even back, even back, I don't know if it was like in the, in the 1800s, but like the, you know, the whole Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, et cetera, right? Like when you tour the Ellis Island, they, they, they describe to you. So if there's any kind of disease or any, any reason to think that there was any kind of disease and they spent like less than a minute per person, you were sent back home, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get in here. You have to have someone lined up who already lived here, who would, who would vouch for you and sponsor you and make sure that you weren't dependent on the government. Like there were a lot of, of restrictions and people came, you know, with nothing or very little, they had to sail on, you know, for weeks on the ocean and, and save for a long time to be able to afford this. They had to go through a lot to get here. And there were some pretty stringent requirements, but then, you know, come on in and then you go fend for yourself. Right. And, and, you know, That's people right. would come together in families and, and you know, village, specific villages would move to the specific street in, in on the Lower East Side, and they, they would kind of be this local neighborhood, and they would help each other and support yes. each other. And you know, but it wasn't just a free for all. Like anybody, like just come on in. Like I don't know, people. It seems like people had the idea that that's what was you know happening back then. And the famous poem on the Statue, Statue of Liberty, et cetera, That wasn't the case. <laughs> well, the. Yes, and the point that, that I, I'm trying to make is that the, the difference in, let's say, some immigration today and ones of the past and including uh, the ones, um, the one that my family went through is that uh, America was always a shining light in the world that you wanted to get to, you, you, you worked to get to, you hoped to win the lottery to get to, you, you did whatever you can to get to because you knew it was the land of opportunity, which is a cliche, but it's also the reality. Um, there's a reason why, despite this being a racist country, that uh, this is the number one destination for African immigrants, even in 2020. Mm. That, that, that doesn't, that, that like facts like that when they start adding up when they started adding up for me I'm like okay that they, they those two things can't live in reality at the same time um so once once things like that start adding up 
the process changes. And, and by the way, the process of that change is gradual. It can't really happen overnight. And the reason that is, is because it's not just a political preference of who you're going to vote for. And you can, oh, you know what? You make a good point. I'm going to change my mind. No, because your whole life, your belief system, your moral structure is built into that. So it's a, nowadays people say, well, you can't, you can't have a conversation with the other side and it's always fighting. It's not because you can't have a conversation because if you had a conversation about your preference in coffee, you could do it, but you're, you're battling these, these deep rooted moral identities and that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I think that's, that's so true. Like people, their identity gets tied into their political views, right? I am a Democrat. I am a Republican versus like right now the job I need to get done, I'm going to hire this guy or I'm going to hire that guy, right? Like we get so emotionally attached to it. And we get into these tribal camps where we just belong. And it's, it's very like before earlier today, I had a conversation with someone who's actually from the UK, but he lives in, in the US. He's, he's voting for, for president. He's voting for Biden. And just having that conversation is like, why is that? Why does he choose Biden? What, like, what, what is it that he sees? Like, how, how does he know that's true? And they just, you know, I love just asking questions and trying to understand people's belief systems, right? I don't need to change anybody's minds. Um, but a lot of the times, no one's asking those questions, right? That's true. And, and it kind of gets back to the marketing of things where, where we're not necessarily voting on information or facts necessarily. We're, we're voting on what makes us as individuals feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and by the way, that, that comes back to where we started this conversation. It's we vote Democrat because we're the smart ones. We're the good ones. We're the ones that want to take care of people. Um, that is, that is a, an important feeling to have. I mean, that, that gives you your life meaning if you are that person. So if the facts don't necessarily align with that, it's easy to brush it off because then it might turn out you weren't actually the good guy for the last 20 years mm-hmm. or more. Yeah. Uh, and not yeah. to say that Republicans per se are the good guys. Uh, there, there's uh, an infinite number of examples of where they um, sold out the country just, just as the Democrats have. And, but but there is a shift that has happened. There was a shift that happened in 2016 where um, th- there's just new energy and new feeling and, and new optimism in, in what America can be, in my opinion. And, and what is that? How would you describe that? I think, uh, well... The optimism is that the founding ideas are so strong and powerful that if you allow them to be followed, um, they can 
lead the country forward. Uh, and the argument against the founding nowadays is that, well, the founders, you know, were, some of them were slave owners and uh, some people didn't have the right to vote at the time. And they were almost archaic in a way. And, and that's a good argument um, because it's true. However, uh, there's a difference between the, there's a difference between, let's say, a short-term short-sighted and um, looking way into the future and seeing what could be. So um, th there's, it's, it's very easy to tear something down and try something new, but it's very difficult to build something up that actually works. And so my my belief is why are we trying to tear down something that at least works uh, rather than just trying to improve on the system? And, and I think that's what I'm seeing. That the optimism is we're going to keep improving on what works. And, and then the pessimistic side is we're going to try to tear this down and, and build something from scratch. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, who are you seeing wanting to tear things down? Is that like the protests and BLM and rioters and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. There, there's a uh, literal tearing down and metaphorical right. tearing mm -hmm. down. Um, obviously the, the literal riots um, aren't helping uh, the people that they claim to help. Mm -hmm. And um, metaphorically, things like capitalism, um, due process and, um, freedom of speech, things like that. Yeah. It seems like to me that people, people don't, most people can't hold this distinction between a system or a process and the outcomes that it produces, right? Like for me, the constitution and the way that that's set up is brilliant and then sometimes there are corrupt politicians that that you know aren't helping. Those are the specific people that are doing crappy stuff, and we need to vote them out. But it's not that the laws and the systems and the processes are bad, right? Or yeah, yeah. And, and that's <laughs> the saying. I guess goes, "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." Um, and, and in my transformation, in my red pilling, so to speak, um, and side note, I, I had to rewatch the matrix recently just to really <laughs> understand what that meant, the red pilling. And, and by the way, that movie, did the still, same. It, it still speaks to, to modern culture and that's probably a timeless movie. But anyway, um, in that red pilling, I started I subscribed to a YouTube premium account and just started binging anything I could watch from uh, Supreme court justice interviews to economists, to uh, former uh, government officials. I watched presidential debates dating back to Kennedy and Nixon. Uh, and just to get a really deep understanding of where, where are we coming from? How has it been and where are we going? And I think ultimately the, the distilled idea that I got is uh, government 
officials, like you mentioned, corrupt government officials, that's not unusual. That's that's <laughs> just what I need to open the door for my dog. She wants in, but I can still hear you through the airport, <laughs> so you can keep talking. Will do. That's just what happens. Um, it's impossible to then vote somebody in and expect corruption to not occur. Uh, it's right. just the way of the world. It's the way of government. And um, well, then I have a, a, another idea, but, but that, that one is, that one's really important to me. It's just, uh, I think Milton Friedman, uh, the, the Nobel prize winning economist said that, um, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And that's just yeah. the way it is. Which is which is what the the Constitution was designed to prevent with checks and balances, and also why it's better to have a much smaller government. <laughs> so there's not so much power involved, right? Uh, yes. uh, one of the things that really moved the needle for me was reading Thomas Sowell, all his stuff, like you know, black rednecks and white liberals, and yeah, great book, uh, other things, but also his basic economics book, so which funny. is. Um, a tome, but phenomenal way. And just seeing the pattern that I saw and, and Nassim Nicholas Taleb and, and his books also anti-fragile and, and skin in the game, especially talk about this like inter interventionism where like, you know, politicians intervene making laws like rent control that make the exact problem that they're designed to solve worse. Right. Exactly. And then when it gets worse, we intervene more. And that mm -hmm. seems to be the trajectory that we've been on for decades, right? Like just make a law that sounds good on paper, has the exact opposite effect, makes everything worse. And then now the problems are even worse. And then we just keep going down that drain. And every time it costs a lot of money, whether taxes, government, bureaucracy, or just the inefficiencies that, that it creates, right? Yeah, and, and that actually leads to a very important idea, which is maybe it's not that the politicians are making the wrong decision that they're, let's say, rent, raising the rent or controlling the rent or raising the minimum wage or whatever it may be, um, because that's historic, that, that's proven to, like you said, hurt the people it's so-called designed to help. But maybe the politicians aren't actually so naive. In fact, they're probably doing exactly what they want to be doing because just as you mentioned, if they fail, they're gonna get more money. More money is gonna flow through them and through their bureaucracy. There's actually an incentive to not succeed in government because what happens when you succeed if you build a commission to eliminate poverty? And let's say you eliminated poverty. Now that commission is no longer necessary and your job and the job of, of your entire department is no longer necessary. So there is actually uh, an inverse incentive to what we think is supposed to be happening in government. There's a reason why your roads are being rebuilt for years and years. And, and it just seems like it's never done because 
when they're not built, when they're in disrepair, they require more money to repair. And that means more money coming through the people who are making those decisions. Right. No, it's true. I mean, and what was it like the, 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 you know, Congress and the president, obviously, but, but especially Congress controls the entire federal budget, which is how much, I don't know, trillions, right? It's, it's massive. It's a massive amount of money controlled by how many, five, 600 people or something like that in total. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money and there's, I, I'm yet to hear a good excuse of why Congress people who live on, let's say, a relatively modest salary that maxes out, I believe, at 200000 uh, How are these people becoming multimillionaires uh, during their time in government? It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And well, actually, it makes perfect sense. And and, right. <laughs> and and that's just the way it is. And that's okay. A society can survive with a little bit of corruption. Um, our country, at least for now, is less corrupt than Haiti or than Ukraine or or India. But but still, that's just it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. My, so I grew up in Denmark and Denmark used to be, or probably still is, you know, top the list of least corrupt countries in the world. And so that's sort of my mindset and where I'm coming from that, that culture, uh, clearly not, not the American culture. It just came out here this past week that uh, how much money did Biden make since he left office four years ago, like 16 million or something. It's a quite a tidy sum, right? Which is like, well, and then what was yeah. it? Peter Schweitzer wrote a book saying this exact thing that this is how the politicians do it now because they can't take money directly, but their family members can, right? And so they funnel money through their family members, which is exactly what the accusation is against Biden. Well, the Biden accusations are, are really bad and they've been around for a long time. So, um, but even um, the the so-called saints of the Democratic Party, like Bernie Sanders, they're doing the exact same thing, and and it's a tired and, tr- and it's a tried and true game. It's raising money for your political campaign, and then um, hiring your wife's or your cousin's marketing agency, and and funneling millions of dollars to that agency or whatever the agency may be. I mean, it's it's a direct payment of of campaign funds you're you're riling up the crowd over ideas that don't work and you're you're funneling as much money as you can directly in your pocket and again that's just that's just the nature of the beast and it's okay but why would we choose to grow that it's like the psychologists say any action that you do trains your brain to do that action more and more so uh, if you train your brain, if you wake up early and uh, building a habit, we in America are now building a really bad habit of growing the government. It's very I've done habit. so for decades. I took the, the reason my name is Calvin is that wasn't my given name. Have I told this? No. So my, the name my parents gave me was Lars, Lars Pint, Lars first name, Pint last name. And uh, at some point I decided to change my name. I met my, my current wife and she had changed her name. And so uh, 
I hired a numerologist to like map the whole thing out and like went down that path. And so he gave me this list of names that I could choose from. And one of them was Calvin. And I picked Calvin because Calvin Coolidge, mm-hmm. 30th U.S. president, has this quote that says that talks about persistence and the importance of persistence. And and that kept me going when, you know, through all the years that life was super tough for me. Um, and then later this year, I'd be like, I, I changed my name and I think in 12 or something, 12 or 13, but so it's been a while, but only this year did I actually start to study the guy a little bit. Mm. And I love him. He was amazing. <laughs> they called him Calvin, the, like the lazy one or something like that, because uh-huh. he didn't want to intervene in shit. He's like, yes. I don't need, the government doesn't need to intervene, intervene in this. Like people will figure it out. It's fine. The market, the people, you know, know what they do, what they're doing. And, and uh, so, yeah, he was very small government. He was like, normal people can take care of themselves. They don't need the government to look after them. Like if they're like disabled or something wrong or whatever, yeah, we can get, we can get involved, but normal people shouldn't need the government to take care of them. Right. Um, And I guess even then, like, what was that? 19, I forget when that was like 45, 15 times four. So that would be uh, 60 some years ago, he got, he took flack for that. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. Well, it's, it's probably the human condition and and a lot of it's temperamental as far as uh, who's picking which side, but there is this, this uh, order versus chaos uh, dichotomy that's, that's constantly fighting against each other. And, and, I suppose in a way, um, one of the reasons I don't get frustrated or at least too frustrated when somebody tells me that they're voting for the other party is because I understand that based on their temperament, um, they're just predisposed to different things, to more like maybe more creative things or openness and and things like that. So, and, and both of those are very important. If the world or if the country was only filled with people like me who are, um, you know, number math based logical people, we would, we would hardly progress. Sure. But but you used to be on camp on team, team D, right. Um, I was on team D, but that's just because that's what you did. Right. Um, just like, and I'm, I'm just wondering how many, like how many people, I remember as a kid, you know, I heard, I think, I don't know if it was Ch- Churchill or whoever is like, you know, if you're young, you have to be a social, you would be, you know, you know, if you're right. not a socialist, you have no heart. And if you, you know, as you get older, if you don't become a conservative, you, exactly. you have no brain. Right. Like how much of it is, is that, or how much is it like, once you start to really study this stuff and take it seriously and think rationally about it, then you can't help but be a conservative. I mean, Tom Sowell said said that. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen his interview with with Dave Rubin, right? Where yes. Dave asked him about this and like, hey, well, you were actually a Marxist when you were young. Once you were like, well, you all were. Yes. Uh, what happened? Facts. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it is that it takes time for for those facts to actually come in and. Uh, I, historically that would be an opportunity for the universities to present those facts. Obviously that's not the case anymore. Um, 
And the other thing is back to marketing. The marketing is just so good of um, we, the Democrats marketing is so much better than, than the, well, not the Democrats, by the way, I, I really would prefer it to be more like a liberal versus conservative thing, because like I said earlier, you could, you could have corrupt Republicans just the same. The whole liberal platform is just, it's so uplifting currently. Whereas the conservative platform is logical and it makes sense and it works and it, it's been shown to work over and over again, but it's just not sex. So there's a branding problem here, right? Because like liberal is it, like, you know, if you look at the quote unquote conservative people, they're for liberty, right? Very much so for liberty, um, I, I had a teacher who used to say, well, the conservatives has it as their mission in life to defend whatever, you know, previous generations progressives couldn't prevent, right? Like, or to protect, you know, and that was his view of it. I'm like, that's actually not the case for me anyway. Like for me, the conservative is a terrible label because it's not really about conserving. For me, it's mm-hmm. about, it's about what wor- doing what works, right? Mm-hmm. That that's the only really parameter for me. It's just that's what works, given how human beings function, given how reality functions. Right? That those are the policies that work. So there's a branding thing there because liberal sounds great. Like we want to be, I, I guess, liberal, liberty, freedom. That's good. I'm guessing what that's where it comes from. No, or what? Well, a traditional liberal is uh, interested in you know philosophy and the and and culture and liberal arts and therefore pushing the boundaries forward. And there's a, that's a traditional liberal there for Liberty too. I mean, it's right in the, it's right in the name. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, So, but, but, but the branding of, of, I don't know, conservative sounds boring to me, right? It sounds like, like old whitey men, men smoking cigars and like, we sit here, we're very conservative. Yeah. You little like, I mean, branding wise, it's terrible. Just like capitalism is terrible branding, right? It should be humanism or freedomism or whatever. Like what capitalism is, is that you get to choose what you want to do with your resources, right? Your money, your time, your whatever versus socialism sounds great. Yeah. Social, we care for each other. But it ends up with people being murdered and put in prison and like, you know, just by the nature of it. Yes. Uh, capitalism, if I had to rebrand it, I would call it lifting people out of povertyism. Right. Just, you're terrible at branding. <laughs> <laughs> I heard someone say like Trump is great at branding, but terrible at marketing. Right. Um, which I think is a good distinction. Like he. He like you know he brands things all the time and he's pretty good at that but but he does <laughs> stupid shit when it comes to actually marketing. I guess himself. so. I actually yeah. have a theory about um, Trump and marketing. Part of the reason he won in 2016 is all the free marketing that he got from um, oh, sure. liberal media. And my theory is that one of the reasons that he'll actually win the selection, despite what the polls show, is because the liberal media will realize how much they're going to miss him and how much of their revenues are going to drop without him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, ultimately it really is about the money. I mean, that's just another fundamental truth. Uh, And 
Well, then the question is, are they going to make more money from from, you know, the ratings of having Trump be president or more money from the corruption um, that's going to happen under a Biden presidency? Right. Yeah, that's the. And and what are the, what are their advertisers? Right, so you, the vast majority of ads on CNN are healthcare, right? Pharmaceuticals, uh, healthcare related. So who, which, which, in like who, which president is going to benefit the pharmaceutical industry more? Um, like you know, Trump, you know, Biden wants to just you know, have the government write a check for it, and then you know people pay for it through their taxes. But it might also destroy some 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 private companies in the like definitely insurance pro- companies in the process. Yeah. But they'll find a way, I'm sure. So I guess you're right about that. I guess you're right. Um, as far as the pharmaceutical companies, they thrived under Obama, and and I'm sure they they would rather keep the status quo as is and funnel right. more money. Trump is forcing some prices down and, you know, making, forcing them to compare prices. And if they, you know, sell it cheaper, sell their drugs cheaper in other, both, you know, in another country, they have to sell at the same price here and things like that. Right. Which they might not Absolutely. like. Absolutely. That's just one of many uh, of a long list of accomplishments that, that he's done and why he's earned my vote in 2020. Uh, but as far as, so, I mean, like I could go into it and I've tried doing that and saying, look at what happened and, and look at how that affects people over time. But that's a very difficult argument. So, so and maybe something that, um, you know, you and I and, and people like us can, can try to come up with is a new angle that's simpler. It's not the... Um, you know, Mike Pence, I'm going to lay down the facts and tell you it's straight how it is. And this is how it's going to change the economy. No. How do we, how do we get the emotional part involved and how do we earn the hearts of this generation coming up? Um, Because we've lost them right now. And that's scary. Yeah, I, I think that let's. I mean, I mean, serious. Let's work on that. Let's work on that. I would. I would love to to um, work with you on that. Um, and it's. It's. I think part of it is like speaking to the beliefs that they already have, right? Versus trying to change their beliefs, right? You know, speak to the the narrative as it already exists. Speaks to the speaks to the worldview as they already have. Yeah, we got to be help other people and care for the people in need, like whatever that is. And then, and then, like, yeah, let's do that. And like, let's figure out how that actually works in practice, yeah. kind of thing or something, right? That's exactly right. I mean, people have very noble goals. Um, they want for the people who aren't doing well to do better and for the sick people to get well. That's mm-hmm. what everybody wants. Um, but, and I think Milton Friedman, again, I, I really love him. And he said, or maybe he quoted somebody saying that the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And so yeah. even though you have the best of intentions, doesn't mean what you're doing is, is good for the country. And well, I mean, every, every Islamic suicide bomber b- believes that he's doing something phenomenal for, for his God, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and um, it's it's important to have a big heart, but without a, a 
guiding force of, of logical reasoning, it's, it gets quickly out of control and in the wrong direction. It could easily, a big heart can mm-hmm. take you in the wrong direction very easily. Yeah. I have the same feeling when I see, like, see the debates, right? Like Trump debating uh, or Pence debating or like really most of anyone. It's, I'm just, there's so many missed opportunities for communicating in a way. Like just one, one thing from the vice presidential debate where, where Pence is like, are you going to pack the court? Are you going to pack the court? I'm like, how many people out there of the people that he needs to, to persuade know what that term means and cares about it, right? Like, instead of like, but that's, it's like techno battle, right? Instead of like, are you, are you going to add more seats to the court and throw the court into jeopardy that way or something like that, right? Like, yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, I, I think um, nowadays that, certainly the media and and there's two sides of it. I mean, there is the liberal media that everyone knows about. And there is also a conservative media, which is, which lives more in the underground, like talk radio and parts of Twitter and certain communities. There's a little known thing called Fox. (laughs) Fox is uh, Fox is iffy, I would say, but anyway. um, Yeah. Well, I think it seems to have changed a lot after Roger, left uh was kicked out and died yes yes so um there's just these there are teams um there are teams we know that and it's always been like that by the way i watched uh the other day i watched um bill clinton versus uh george hw the debates and and although it was more civil than this most recent presidential debate it was still um there's still teams, you know, and but but now it's gotten way more teamy, <laughs> um, which means that we need to stick with certain talking points. Pack the court. That's that's popular. Let's we got to hit that hard. Um, we're not having our several hour long dialogues on why packing the court is good or bad. Like, are, are they're going to pack the court? That's a that's yeah, that's bad. But. Is it bad or well, yeah, we want to pack the court because that's good or what, or is it? I mean, um, it, it, courts, uh, the U S government, the constitution isn't taught in schools. When I went to school, right. um, it wasn't taught. And that was, a, that was, I mean, not too long ago, but that was some time ago. Um, it's just philosophy is not taught. So we're building, we're building, um, these political groups without building the foundation first. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's probably intentional too. like the, 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 you know, teaching people critical thinking and, and, you know, just a lot of critical life skills hasn't happened for decades. And seem that it kind of seems like that must be intentional in, in, at some level. Like, it, you know, a stupider population is easier to control, right? What was a turning point? I know we touched on it in the beginning, but like, what was the thing that made you, why, why do you think you started to study? Because you went, obviously went super deep in this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I would say the the one major turning point was Trump's 
uh, election efforts in 2016 and the the biases that I saw in the coverage. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was that just set off a red flag that something is wrong. Something mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. This is not an objective situation. I'm being uh, pulled or pushed in, in a direction and I don't know why. And it doesn't make sense. And something's wrong. And I need to investigate. Mm-hmm. And once once I realized that I need to investigate, that led me to the path of everything that I've investigated. Mm-hmm. And now, now my whole life is different. My, like I said earlier, my, my whole outlook on life has changed. My whole outlook on history has changed. Um, you know, for better or for worse, my relationship with uh, close people has changed. Uh, and th- that's, that's a difficult thing, but ultimately I am committed to what I believe is true and what I believe is, is best for this country, which is what's best for the world too. Right. Is it after when I've moved from Denmark to New York in 99, and then I moved back to Denmark, I noticed something which was, there is a change in me from having lived on two different continents, right? Like that just, there is a, there is a way of relating to the world and understanding how simple, small things and big things could be different that had changed me for good. And I think there is a power of having been, you know, lived on both sides here, right? You have genuinely lived as a Democrat, like not really super conscious, but like firmly in that camp. And then you woke up and you decided to, to think for yourself, do your own research, you know, study, read, educate yourself, and you land it in a new place. And I think there's, there's a tremendous value in that versus just, oh, I've been on this team my whole life. And I haven't like, even if you have, you know, questioned something, it's like, there's, it gives you a depth that you wouldn't get if you hadn't genuinely lived in both That's absolutely true. And and I've heard this, I'll finish up quickly here, but this is um, a a common phrase I've been hearing recently is, is um, compared to what? And that's a really important question that something is wrong. Okay. Yes, it's wrong, but compared to what? And if you can't find a better example of where it works better Maybe this is the best that we can do for now. Maybe it's important to conserve that system and make small changes to it and try to improve it because it's the best that we've got. And just because it's not perfect doesn't mean we should we should um, shut it down and start something new. It's very difficult to build something from scratch. And, um, and, and one last point is uh, you mentioned uh, the facts, I looked into the facts, but still the argument that I face, people tell me is, well, how come you don't believe in the facts and how right. come you don't believe in the science and how come all this? It's like, I think we're looking at different facts. Facts mm-hmm. in itself is, is actually a, is a harder thing than it seems. Oh, Just because yeah. fact doesn't mean we're going to see that. Two people mm-hmm. are going to see that fact the same way. And, and, and ultimately, it really comes back to that, that the marketing of the idea. So mm-hmm. let's figure it out. All right, man. All right. Let's keep this co- conversation going. I, I really appreciate you. I really enjoyed it.
Um, this Thank is you, Calvin. It's great to, great to talk to you. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks, Dimitri, for showing up. I'll, we'll definitely be talking way more in the near future. Sounds good. All right. You Appreciate later. you, man. Be well. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast episode. After 20 years as a serial entrepreneur, it's my passion to bring you ideas and insights from some of the best entrepreneurs, leaders, and thinkers in the world straight to your phone. We're going to be launching many, many more podcast episodes in the future, so please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you found any value at all from today's conversation. Your reviews and feedback mean the world to me. 